All right. It is good to see everybody. I hate interrupting the conversation. We got some ground to cover. I'm excited about this. So turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 58. How many of you guys were here last week? Were you here last week or able to tune in? All right, so if you weren't able to be here, I, want, I just really wanna encourage you, go back um, to YouTube or, or Spotify or whatever, listen to it, watch it. Um, it'll really help set the stage because you're, you're like, all right, you're jumping in on the, the B side of this message. It's, it's a continuation from last week. It'll still stand alone. I, I, it'll still stand alone. You can, God will use it, whatever. Uh, but if you did not get a chance to listen last week, I, I encourage you to do so. They go hand in hand. And then you can see Chuck. I went back and watched this, by the way, Chuck. Chuck was sitting in a chair with all kinds of stuff all over him. And I just giggled. I kind of rewind it and watched it again and put it... You put it on like double the speed. It was even more funny, you know, all that type of stuff. It was just fun. Chuck, thank you for being willing uh, to do that. Um, before we get into Isaiah 58, I'm trying to give you a little bit of time to find it. Open your Bible in the middle and hang a right. You'll find the book of Isaiah. Um, I, I mentioned last week, I'll mention it again this week. Next week, um, my friend and a friend of many, Jeff Bartell, is going to be here. Um, he's going to be speaking during the main service, but he's also going to be here at the 9 a.m. time. We're going to every, so that's the, that's the student ministry, that's the adult fellowships, all that. We're all going to be in this room at 9 a.m. just to hear Jeff share his story, his testimony of, of what it meant and what it looked like to just grow up um, within his local church, be trained up and sent out to plant a church in Albania. And he did that and he came back and now he's on staff at First Baptist Church in New Philadelphia, Ohio, and then he's going to be busting the word on uh, the topic of what does a missions-minded church look like biblically. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. You do not. I'm just telling you. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a sweet time. So if 9 a.m. is not normally your gig, you'll still want to come. We have plenty of space for you. All right? So come be a part of that. Isaiah chapter 58. Is everybody there? Say Amen. All right, so I want to read verses 6 and 7, kind of give us a running start in, into this. Um, last week, our message title was Not So Fast. This week, it's Living in a Fasted State. And I'm just play, doing a, a play on words, but I want to jump right into the middle of, of the topic at hand. So verse 6, it says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring, uh, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out into in, thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. All right, so a couple points we made last week was that um, God's ideal fast is twofold. And what you'll find when you just read those few verses, God's not talking about skipping meals. His ideal fast isn't skipping meals. Now that's part of it. We'll, we'll address that here in just a few moments. But God's ideal fast is eliminating distractions. And that's what you see in verse 6 is eliminating these distractions. So I'm not re trying to re-preach last week's message, but I want you to see the, the words that we, we focused in on last time is loose the bands of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, uh, let the oppressed go free and break every yoke, right? Those your responsibility to do that. These are your action verbs. If I can take us to English class for a moment, you're in control of all these things. So letting go of eliminating all the distractions in life. Why? Because the other side of this is that we eliminate distractions so that we can minister without distraction. That's verse seven. So verse seven, he says, deal thy bread of the hungry and bring the poor that are cast out in the house and cover the naked and, 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 and don't forget your own flesh. Don't forget you. You gotta take care of you as well. And man, praise the Lord. I, it's just pretty awesome to, 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 to talk to Russ and Tammy and the H2O ministry, right? And this, this right here will play a huge role in that, right? So they're not just a workout group. They're, they're trying to, to get us where we are spiritually taking care of ourselves and physically taking care of ourselves and, and taking care of the body and all those type of things. And so, man, be listening. I'm excited about everything that, that uh, God's going to do through them. But man, when we talk about taking care of you and that, that, your own flesh, man, that's an avenue. That's a, that's a resource you need to tap into. Amen, church? So tap into the H2O ministry that's harvesting 
I knew I was going to mess it up. Harvesting healthy opportunities, right? I knew I was going to mess that up. I should have wrote it down. But so the idea is eliminate distractions so I can minister without distraction. All right, so then I was just, I was just thinking about this the other day. All right, so we're talking about fasting and God's biblical fast and what does it mean? What does it look like? We see the, the, this is what it is. But when you read verses 8 to 12, when you read verses 8 to 12, it literally lays out for us, okay, this is what it looks like to live that fasted life. So verses 6 and 7 is God's ideal. Eliminate distractions in my own life so I can minister to others in their lives. But what about me? What does it look like? Well, here's what happens when we live in a fasted state. So just stop for a second. I looked up Mayo Clinic. I went to Mayo Clinic website and I looked up fasting. And I said, okay, what does the world say about fasting? Intermittent fasting, carnivore diets, and all kinds of stuff. Right? We can talk about it all day long. There are benefits to physically fasting. There are. There are great benefits to physically fasting. I, I think, ob- I mean, the obvious one is you're going to lose weight. I mean, less calories in, you're, you're just going to lose weight. I mean, that's an obvious one. So you can starve yourself to death and you can lose weight. But the moment you, the moment you put a piece of cheesecake back in your mouth, it's over, right? So, okay, well, weight loss is good, but it also helps with brain function and, and reducing inflammation in, in, in your bones and in, in your ligaments and all the, in, in, the, in your joints. It, it improves your heart health. It, it reduces glucose levels. It, it helps autophagy and getting rid of the waste genes and the waste of your life and, and the cell regeneration. And it reduces stress and you get, tend to get better sleep and it helps with insomnia and the list goes on and on. As, as I'm just reading all that, I'm like, Guilty, 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 guilty. I've got like all those issues and maybe taking care of my health, that way, maybe that would be a solution. What would that do? It would free up the distractions of my, of my health so I'm free to live. It's the same principle. It's the exact same principle. The idea of fasting is to eliminate distractions so that I can minister. Same thing works physically as it does spiritually. All right, so verse 8 Check this out. What happens when I live in a fasted state spiritually? All right, so we're going to just come right across the plate. This is going to be super, super practical today. I pray that it steps all over your toes. And, and then I also pray that it's very comforting and like a nice little foot rub at the end, right? I, I pray that you're convicted, and I also pray that you're comforted and encouraged. I pray all of that. So verse 8, it says, then... So if you've ever been to English class, you understand if-then statements, and there's a whole lot of these if-then statements in, in this passage we're going to look at. But the first thing I want you to get today is that when you live in a fast state, my conversation gets restored. That's your first blank, is my conversation gets restored. Well, what does that mean? My conver- the way I talk? Yeah, yeah, the way you talk, but it's the way you live. Did you know the way you live speaks? The way you carry yourself speaks, and it speaks a lot, but when you live in a fasted state, it changes the way you speak. It it changes the way your life speaks. It begins to say something completely different. Let me remind you of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. It says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the way you used to live yourself, the way you used to carry yourself, your manner of life. Put off the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, how do you do that? Spiritual fasting. Verse 6. This is how it's done. What this is, is verse 6. But here's what happens, verse 8. He says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine hell shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Now, that's a word we don't use all the time, but I want you to see something. This is your whole conversation. Your manner of life is now completely different. In other words, you have a new day. Every day is like a new day. He says, your, thy light shall break. It doesn't say light is going to say your light, thy light is going to break forth. In other words, it's like inside of you, ready to burst, and in a moment, you've been hiding it back, you've been enclosing it, and now, once you've accomplished verse six, then freed up to, so you can do verse seven, this is what's happening inside of you. Your life is completely different. It's like a new day. What was in the darkest is now going to be in the light. Let me give you Matthew chapter five, verse 16. 
It says, let your light so shine before men. That's up to you whether it shines or not. It's up to you whether it shines or not. But then he says this, not only will thy light break forth as the morning, it says in verse eight, thine health shall spring forth speedily. It's, it's the idea of breaking the soil and, and it's something that has been broken and, and busted and decayed is now bringing forth new life again. Something has been restored and made whole again. This is new growth, new growth. This is what happens when we live in a fasted state. But not only do I get a new day and new growth, but it's like a new, it's like a new path because it says, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. And thy righteousness, thy light, thy health, thy righteousness shall go before thee. In other words, righteousness now leads your way. When you get up in the morning and you begin to move forward, you're, you're considering for yourself my righteousness. Where is, is my path leading me in, in true righteousness, right wiseness, right? I want to pursue righteousness where righteousness is what drives me. That is the focus of my life. That is the purpose of my life is that I'm getting closer to the Lord. But then it says this at the end of verse eight, the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. So it's a new result. And here's what I mean by this. God's glorified everywhere you go. Can that be said of you today? Can that be said of me today? Where he says, he says this, the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. I know, what, what is that re-reward? It means what comes in from behind. You ever been on a lake, on a boat, and you're zooming around and you're focused on what's behind? You ever, in front of you, you ever look behind and seen the wake? In the waves, that is what he's talking about. That's your re-reward. That's what's floating in your wake. So as you're carrying yourself and you're conducting your business and your conversation is speaking, you're in a room and, and in, interacting with people and you're, you're doing your thing, you're living your life in your sphere of influence. Do people understand that, wow, I just, Levi Baker just came in the room. I, I just dealt with him and he's gone. Or is there perspective? That guy spent some time with the Lord. That's the point. When people interact with you, do they recognize while they interact with you or do they recognize that you interacted with the Lord that day? That's what he's talking about. And that's what it means to live in a fasted state. Man, my light is shining. What was busted and broken is now beginning to grow, is springing forth. I'm now pursuing righteousness instead of trying to make it look like I'm righteous, I'm actually pursuing righteousness. And what's amazing is in my wake, God is glorified. Well, that sounds marvelous, doesn't it? So when I live in a fasted state, my conversation, my manner of life, the way I carry myself gets restored. But then I want you to see verse nine. This is, this is stinking amazing. We're, this is a short point, but this point is, Holy cow, this is amazing. Verse nine, then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. Now, can I just remind you of something? Verse three, this is what the people's response was. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not, wherefore we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge, beholding the day. And, Jesus, and, and the Lord responds and be like, listen, at the end of verse four, he says, you're doing this to make your voice to be heard on high. The reason you're fasting is so that I will hear. And God's like, you got this twisted, man. You got this twisted. I'm, I'm ready to hear at the drop of a hat. You got this so twisted, you think fasting is gonna get my attention. No, the whole idea is that now you fast so that I can be your attention. Because once we've accomplished verse six and once we've accomplished verse seven, our conversation, our manner of life begins to change. Here's the next point is my relationship gets restored. Because now, after all that, then I call on the Lord. You see, that's why, right there, that's why people think fasting makes God hear. Fasting doesn't make God hear. Fasting provides you the opportunity now to call. He's been waiting to hear this whole time. Is this making sense, what I'm saying? I hope so. 
Because here's, here's the reality. When relationships are broken, here's what happens. People tend to avoid and they don't talk. That's what happens when relationships are broken. When relationships are strained, there's avoidance and silence. And the reason we think we have to jump through some fast or have some massive great reset so that God will hear, the issue is that relationship's been broken and severed. And God says, I've been waiting this whole time and now you're gonna call. And I'm gonna say, here I am. I never went anywhere. I've been sitting here the whole time. This, this whole time. Man, do you ever feel like God's not listening? Because I do. There's times where I feel, God, are you even hearing me? Are you even, are you even listening? Are, are there times where you feel like God has left you behind and is just focusing on other people? Because, man, I get, I get feeling like that sometimes. But I, I want you to get this. God never stopped communicating with you. He's given his, you his spirit and he's given you his book. The real issue is, is I stopped communicating with him. That's the reality of it. It's like the uh, older, older couple that had an old car. You know, the old front seat was the bench seat. You know, the old Malibu, right? I picture the old Chevy Malibu, baby blue, Chevy Malibu. That's just fun to say. Let's say baby blue, Chevy Malibu. Okay, so my, my mom used to have one of those. And so I picture that. But it's just like the older couple that's, that's driving and he's driving and she's always like sucked up right right next to his side. Can't do that with the new stuff anymore, can you? I'd like to have my wife right here beside me. She's like, give me space. All right, so the old couple, they're just driving, doing their thing. And, and after a while, she just starts getting closer and closer to the door. And she starts looking out the window instead of focusing on him. And, and she's all upset. And he's like, why are, why are you so upset? And she goes, how can we never sit together anymore? He looks at her and, driving. He goes, I haven't moved. You have. And all too often, that's exactly how we treat the Lord. We do the exact same thing. God, why aren't you hearing? Why aren't you close? Why aren't you? I haven't, I haven't moved. Then shalt thou cry. Then shalt thou call. And he will respond, here I am. Here I am. Oh, man, I love this verse. Psalm 34 and verse 6. Psalm 34 and verse 6. It says, this poor man cried, and look at that next highlighted portion. And the Lord, what? Heard him. It doesn't say the Lord's going to hear. It says the Lord heard. Man, that jumped off the page to me, man. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. God, why aren't you saving? Because you're just crying out into thin air. You haven't entered into my presence yet. You're throwing fits and you're not, you're not coming to me. Live the fasted life because when you live the fasted life, when you stay in a constant state of fasting, verses six and verse seven, it changes your conversation and it changes. It, it changes your perspective, but it changes your relationship in verse nine. And you'll cry out and the Lord will be like, man, I've been waiting to hear your voice. Here I am. I'm right here. Man, keep reading verse 9. It says, if, there's that if again. <coughs> if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light. So there's a lot going on here. So let me give you the next point I want you to get is when you, you live a fasted state, my focus gets restored. My focus now gets restored. So yeah, my, my conversation is restored. My relationship is restored. But now the direction, the focus of my life is now restored. He says this in the last part of verse eight. If thou take away the mist of the, the yoke, which is what he told us to do in verse six, in other words, stop carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. 
Take his yoke upon you, Matthew chapter 11, right? Take his yoke upon you. His burden is easy. His, wait, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. So take away the, so if you deal, stop carrying the weight of the world and only carry the burden that God has given you, it's a very, it's a very easy yoke. It's a very light burden. Why is it light? Because it's simple. It's single. It's very simple and it's very single. What has God given you to do? Take that yoke, plow with him, and get after it for the rest of your life. Simple life, man. So take off the other yokes. Stop carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, man. But then it says this. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, and then it says the putting forth of the finger. What is that? Accusation, isn't it? It's blame. Well, I wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for you. If it wasn't for my spouse, if it wasn't for my kids, if it wasn't for my parents, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for my pastor, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that. Hold on. Stop blaming others for your situation. You see, your focus gets restored when you stop carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Your focus gets restored when you stop blaming others for your situation, for your response to your situation. And then it says this at the end, and speaking vanity. So if you stop talking with words that you don't necessarily mean, if you stop talking with words that hide your true heart, that's what vanity is. Because that's what we do. When life's a wreck, we start blaming others or we start carrying the weight of the world because that's what we do. We fast in verse six and it's not long until we get to verse nine, we're picking it all back up again, right? We pick it right back up, kind of do our own thing. And then we start accusing others, start blaming others. And then what comes out of our mouth is nothing but vanity. It's vain speech. It's not the truth. It's something that we speak to hide the truth. Hello, somebody. That's what speaking vanity is. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Vain words. It's not like, listen, time out, commercial break. You ever been around somebody you ask them, hey, how you doing? And you don't really care? Because it's just a normal thing. We say, hey, how you doing? In other words, I acknowledge your presence. Please don't tell me how you're doing. That's literally what we mean. But you ever run into that one person that's like gonna tell you how they're doing? Like they can't wait to tell somebody how they're doing? Oh, you'll never guess. You'll never believe what I've been going through. You're like, I was just trying to say hi. That's all I was trying to do. And now you're giving me your whole song of dancing. I don't, I don't care. Listen, I, I appreciate the honesty. I do. Sometimes I'll just be honest. I, I don't care. I was just saying hi. But there are times when I do care and I ask, how are you? What's going on in your world? And I literally mean it. And you know when I mean it. You know when we're just saying hey. And you know when we're asking the question. And if your answer is, well, fine. Everything's good. Got this going, this going. A lot of times, that's just vain speech. It's speech that comes out of our mouth hoping to hide what's really, what's really happening. Now, this doesn't mean you got to go air your dirty laundry to everybody all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, your focus gets restored when you start speaking different. The things come out of your mouth different. You're, you're stopping accusing others. You're stopping carrying the weight of the world. And here's what happens in the, in the look at verse 10. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. In other words, if you stop carrying the weight of the world, if you stop blaming others, if you stop talking with vain speech, and if you start, you see that? Stop, 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 start. Start doing what? Start pouring into others in what they really need. Start doing that. If thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, your soul meets them on a soul level. Soul to soul, man. Not platitude to platitudes, not surface to surface. No, soul to soul. Because the best way to heal is to help heal others. That's the message. You're, you're broken, you're busted, you're hurting. The best way to heal, man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, is to help heal others. 
pour yourself completely out. That's your soul to help fill others because I'm telling you, that's what really feels. That's what really fills you up. John chapter four and verse 34. This is Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. The disciples have gone off to buy food and he comes back and says, I've already eaten. They're like, what? what do you mean you've already eaten? Yeah, I already ate. What'd you eat? Well, my meat is to do the will of him that set me. I'm accomplishing God's purpose. I'm accomplishing God's will in my life and therefore I am full. But you gotta be, you gotta be hurting and hungry. Yeah, my flesh is empty, but man, my soul is satisfied. And, and I've reached this woman who left her water pot and she ran back to the city. She was no longer thirsty. She no longer cared about all the things of the physical world. All she cared about what God had spoken to her heart. What you see in John chapter four is a soul connecting with the soul and they both get completely filled. That's, that's, that right there is the life of living in a fasted state right there. I'm no longer carrying the weight of the world. I'm no longer accusing anybody else. I'm no longer hiding truth and speaking truth. And I'm pouring myself out even when I have nothing else to pour out because God is satisfying. That is the fasted life. But he's still not done. Because, okay, my conversation has now changed. I'm actually speaking to the Lord now. My focus is now directed. But here's the next point, is that my countenance gets restored. My countenance gets restored. So he says this in the middle of verse 10. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity. In other words, your countenance changes. Why or how? What does that look like? Well, your situation may not change. I'm just going to tell you. You got to get that. Your situation may not change, but your perspective does. That's what he says here. Your light, then shall thy light rise in obscurity in, in, when, it, when it shouldn't, when there should be a veil over it, when you, it should be obscure. No, your light still shines because your perspective changes even though your situation may not. But then he says this, and thy darkness be as the noonday. What does that mean? Thy darkness become as the, what? Just shoot it straight, he is. He's shooting a straight. You become the source of light instead of the absence of it. That's what he's saying. And thy darkness be as the noonday. In other words, I'm no longer the black hole. Been there? Where any light that shines, you just suck it up and tuck it back, man. You don't allow any light to just shine. You just absorb it and you take it in and you just dwell in darkness, man. You're a black hole. I'm telling you, when you live in a fasted state and you get this and understand it's not about you, it's about the Lord and it's about others, your countenance changes. There's a light in your eyes. You're no longer dwelling. Is this, making, is this hitting home? I'm telling you, this is as practical as it gets, man. This is amazing stuff. You're no longer a black hole. Verse 11, and the Lord shall guide thee, look at the next word, continually. In other words, you'll know exactly where God wants you to go in life. And here's what I mean by that. I'm not talking 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. I'm talking 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes from now. God reveals his will to you. He reveals his plan and purpose for you continuously. Because let's be honest. If God was to show me my next 50 years, if the Lord gives me 50 more years, I'm probably checking out, man. I'm taking the chicken exit. Because there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows in there. I guarantee it. But if God only gives me a little bit at a time, that is the true countenance that I want. That his guiding me continually. And how does he guide? He guides with his, he guides with his word. But then it says this, and the Lord shall guide thee continually, middle of verse 11, and satisfy thy soul in drought. I know what you're thinking. 
Yeah, but if I'm like Jesus, if I'm pouring my soul out to this other world, what about me? Who's going to pour into me? Well, verse 11, it covers that. And it's going to satisfy thy soul in drought. You need to understand that you're going to go through moments of drought, no doubt about it. That's going to happen. But your, satis- your soul is going to be satisfied even in the dry seasons of your life. Even in those moments of drought, your soul's still able to be satisfied even in the midst of it all. How can you be so happy? How can you be so satisfied? Do you not see what's going on in your world? But do you not see that I'm not looking to be satisfied in my flesh? God is satisfying me in my soul. And that is where my countenance comes from. It doesn't come from my flesh being satisfied. It comes from my soul being satisfied. But then it says this, middle of verse 11, and it make fat thy bones. Well, that doesn't sound exciting. How you doing? My bones are fat. That's how I'm doing. What's up with you? Bones are fat. What's up? Okay, what does that mean? In other words, you're able to, stay, you're able to stand strong with an inner strength of God's grace. Your bones are strong because they're healthy. You're able to stand in the grace of God. Your bones are, are fat. And then it says, and thou shalt be like a watered garden. How many want to be? I, I, I didn't say gardeners. How many want to be gardeners in the house? I'm a wannabe gardener. I, I, I want to look out my window. I want to see that it's growing and I want to reap the benefits from that garden, but I want no part in the work that it takes to do it. Amen. <laughs> Who said that? Amen, amen, amen. That's why I kind of like that table that ha- that's out here, this whole garden share thing where people bring the fruits of their labor and I eat the fruits of your, thank you, Jesus. And for some reason, the Godfrey's, we're not able to grow zucchini or squash. Doesn't happen, squash bugs devours them all. So if you're able to do that, thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful for that. Listen, there's a whole lot of wannabe gardeners and there's some really successful gardeners in the house and I'm, I'm grateful for you but it says, you will be like the watered garden. What does that mean? Not You're the gardener, but you're allowing a gardener to pour into you. That, you, that when the water's on, you receive it. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you, through the washing of the water of the word. You're allowing your pastor, you're allowing your disciple, you're allowing your brother, you're allowing your sister in Christ to pour into you and to water into you and to receive it. Are you a watered garden or are you a parched one? But I'm planted, I'm, I'm seed, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting my, my health to spring forth. It's gonna take some water to get that done, which means you gotta be receptive to receive it. Right? That's how your countenance changes. Not that you got the sourpuss face like I can't, I have nothing to glean from whatever's getting, no, no, no. I can't wait to hear what God has in store for me today. This part of my garden's going strong. It doesn't even need water, but this part over here, I, I kind of feel like I'm, I need, I'm starting to get a little dry. I need, the, I need the Lord. And so every time I come here, I'm coming with a heart ready to receive what the word of God has to say. Every time I open my Bible in in, in my quiet time, what's the spirit of God gonna give me in that moment as I'm reading through the gospel of John or as I'm reading the book of Acts or whatever it might be, that I'm as a watered garden. But then he flips it on his head at the end of verse 11. He says, and like a spring of water, whose water fail not. So not only are you like a watered garden, but then you're also, pouring into others because you are the source of water as well. You're, you're both. You'll be a source of living water to, that'll never run dry. You are the spring whose waters fail not. That's your countenance. And so when you interact with people, instead of pouring into them water, have they come to a well that's completely bone dry? Because your countenance should be of one that's offering water to a thirsty soul. And I know 
There's probably somebody here going, Tony, it's too late for me. It's too late in the game. I can't start all over again. I'm too old. Listen, I get it. I'm 40-something years old, you know, and uh, I, I get it. I'm thinking about the end of my ministry, thinking about all those things. I get that. But what I've also got to be considering and thinking about is verse 12, is this. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called, check this out, the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the past to dwell in. Last point I want you to get, and then don't put your stuff away because we ain't done. But the last major point I want you to get is my heritage gets restored. Those who follow after me. Amen. Gets restored. The decisions I make now, the decisions I make today, affect the next generation to come. If I'm not careful, if I'm not careful, I'm going to destroy them instead of see them succeed. Been there, done that. I'm talking about those in your home, talking about those you disciple, those you care for, those you pour into. And you, we hear this all the time, and it's 100% true. Most of what the next generation receives is caught, and it's not taught. They see your conversation, because it speaks, your manner of life. They see your relationship with God, whether you even talk or not. They see what you're focused on. They see what drives you. They see your countenance. And then they follow in your footsteps. And they take what you do in moderation, they do it in excess. So if you play religion, they're going to really play religion or just bounce on it, right? You have a solid relationship with the Lord, man, that's caught. That's up to them whether they have that same relationship that you're giving them an opportunity to. And maybe you're saying, it's just too late for me. No, it's not. No, it's not. I want you to see what the word of God has to say here. And they that shall be of thee. In other words, there are people coming behind you. Whether you want to know that or not, they are. And they're flowing out from you. And then it says, here's what they are going to do. They are. They're going to build the old waste places. It doesn't say you are. It says they are. Thou shalt raise up the foundations. That's your job. Of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer and the restorer. Okay. Let me ask you this question then. Will your next generation, will the next generation, those that you have care for, those that you're responsible for, grandparents and aunts and uncles and, and moms and dads and disciple makers and Sunday school teachers and fellowship pastors, will your next generation make mansions out of your piles of rubble? Taking the old waste places, that's just a big pile of a messy life, man. A messy heritage, a messy background, bad decision after bad decision. 
Will they be able to take all of that and build mansions out of it? In other words, here's how you get the next heritage to be restored is that your desire now is no longer to sit in a heap of broken down wants and desires and dreams. Because maybe that's where you are right now. I've always wanted this and I've always wanted that and I've always wanted this and it all fell apart and I'm never going to get there again. It's never going to happen for me. Okay, then stop. Is your focus now no longer sitting in a heap of broken down wants, desires, and dreams? And your attention is no longer on how and, and why you got that way. But your focus and your attention now is, how are we going to build it back? How are we going to take this and we're going to build it back? Is this a pile of rubble? Or is this a pile of building materials? And I'm telling you, just like it was with the old temple and the new temple of God, when they, Solomon built his temple, it was his father who supplied the materials to build it. It was a father who had a heart to see it built. And God wouldn't let him build it, but he allowed the next generation to do it. But here's what happened. Not long after that temple's built and Solomon goes off and does his own thing. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the temple just for a moment. The Babylonians came in and they destroyed it in 606 BC to 586 BC, history lesson. They go off into captivity for 70 years. And they go back and they start to build the walls of the city. That's the book of Nehemiah. Then you have the book of Ezra. They go back and they, they build the temple. And they get to chapter four in the book of Ezra and the foundation has been laid. And then it delays for about 14 to 15 years because they lost purpose and lost focus of what they were doing. And then Haggai and Zechariah come in and they begin to prophesy to the people saying, it's time to build. Well, what do we build with? Use the rubble that's laying around you and then go up to the mountain and bring will and build the house and I will take pleasure and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. That's our vision of our church. And you know what they did is they built it. And the old generation who saw the old temple, they saw the new stuff and went, ah, it's not like it used to be. And let me just tell you right here, I just wanted this to be so freeing for you. God is not calling you to rebuild what once was. God is calling you to build back something that he can be worshiped in today. Quit trying to relive what it used to be. Let's build, move forward with what you have in front of you. So your life may be a mess. It may be an absolute wreck. Or... You've come from a horrible background. You've come from a messed up background and, and your attention's always been, I can't, ever get a, I can't ever get ahead. This is always falling apart. This is a fart. And, and, this is a fart, sorry. This is a part and, and this is something, you never know. <laughs> you know. It's a big pile of rubble. No, it's a big pile of building materials. And it, it may not be you that gets to rebuild it, but it'll be those that you trained up and those you've envisioned and those you've poured into who get to do it. Your job then is to lay those foundations. And we know, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that foundation. And so you just need to have your relationship with Christ so that you can help lead others to Christ so that they can have a foundation in Christ so that they can build upon that foundation and they have their own building materials. Gold, silver, precious stones or wood, hay, and stubble. And listen, 
That passage will preach in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, no doubt about it. That's just with the judgment seat of Christ and all those things. But I'm telling you, you are the one to help supply those building materials for that next generation. Have you given it a big pile of wood, hay, and stubble? False religion, church attendance, this and that, or have you given them a true relationship with Christ, a desire to serve him with a restored conversation, a restored relationship, and a restored focus, and a restored countenance so that you can have a restored heritage. This is where we land. And thou shalt be called, verse 12, the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the past to dwell in. The very end, when you breathe your last breath or we are celebrating your going home, will your testimony be, I repaired the busted down walls and I restored the past to dwell in. Ron, can I talk about you just for a moment? He and I talk about this every so often. Ron, if you don't know his story, you need to know his story. And the only way you're going to do that is go say, hey, let's go grab a cheeseburger and tell me your story. Invite me because I like cheeseburgers too. Ron's got a story. Kenneth has a story. And I look at a couple right now whose testimony is, I've restored the wall. I've repaired the breach. Could have chosen to go one path and chose the Lord. And we talk about breaking the cycle of sin and breaking the cycle of this. And break, listen, that's all true. But he didn't just stop and say, I'm going to serve the Lord. He raised it. They raised an amazing daughter together. Chelsea, that's you, by the way. Remember, you growing up, not knowing how this family's going to go, not knowing which direction this is going to go. And then you married wisely, praise Jesus. Married this bald head tall dude. And now they're raising your grandkids in the ways of the Lord. And they're not raising them to sit in a big pile of rubble. Going, we got dealt a bad hand. Here it is. No. These kids are memorizing the word of God. Hide the word of God in their hearts. That is what we're talking about. Lives are changed. I repaired the busted down walls. In other words, what does that mean to repair the busted down walls? Here's what it means. You are saying, no, this is where we live and thrive. We're going to fix it. Whatever they're going to do out there, they're going to do. But right here behind these walls, this is where we're going to live, not hide. No, this is where we're going to live and thrive. And then restored the paths to dwell in, saying, this is how we live and thrive. This is where we live and thrive. And this is how we live and thrive. Will that be your testimony? I repaired the busted down walls and I restored the paths to dwell in. That is what it looks like to live the fasted life. Amen? Let's do some soul searching. Let's seek the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's do some business with the Lord. Let's uh, be like that watered garden to receive the truth. Let's stop complaining. Let's stop whining about our situation. Let's stop blaming others. 
Stop trying to force everybody to do it just like me. No. I just want to just want to fix the wall and I want to I want the path to be well worn. This is how we live and thrive, man. And then we do that by living in a fasted state. So if God's spoken to you in any way, shape, or form, let's let's give that over to the Lord. Let's move forward. Let's take the next step. And for some of us, the next step is going back and reading verse six and seven and living, living what a true fast is and knowing what it is. And it's time to just move forward and watch God restore. Take a few moments, do some business with the Lord. If there's anybody here who does not know you, know Jesus as Savior. You're not even sure that you are saved. Had a young man come to know Christ earlier this week. Praise the Lord. What about you? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Because everything we just talked about does not apply to you until you know him. You can have that foundation. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. Is there anybody that says, you know what, that's me, just raise your hand. Just you, me, and the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody? Just you, me, and the Lord. I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I'll, I'll find you after the service. We'll get together and we'll chat. Anybody? Okay, there's one hand. There's another hand. You can put them down. Anybody else? Okay. Church, please be praying for these two that raised their hands. Church, let's be doing some business with God's dealt with us. Take a few moments and I'll pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord God, I thank you for your truth. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, there's so much, so much truth contained in those verses. Lord, we just barely scratched the surface. But Lord, I pray that we have a better understanding of what it means to, to live a fasted life, to have a better understanding of what you are looking for, for your people to fast. It's, Lord, it's to eliminate distractions so we can minister without distractions so you can work on us without distraction. Lord, I pray for these two that raised their hands. Lord, I pray that we're receptive to the truth that we're getting ready to look at more so that they might call on you as Savior. Lord, I pray for this church. Lord, I pray. Lord, that today is so freeing that we don't have to whine and worry about our rubble anymore. We can use those building materials to repair the breach. We ask all this in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.